Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, good morning. It is good to be here, trust me, for more reasons than one. I'm not camping. No, I'm just, well, kind of kidding. You know, we've been married 35 years yesterday. That's right. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you, I, I, I want to make some of you who maybe not have been married that long look forward to your 35th anniversary. So I woke up in Haneyville in a camper and got up and then went to an auction. It was kind of cold. It was almost everywhere, right? And, and to an auction where I spent four hours in an auction. Only, I, only thing I bought was French fries. And, but my wife was, like it, it was, there was equipment, there was all kinds of different things. And then she found out they were auctioning flowers off. Two hours of auction flowers is like watching paint dry on a wall. <laughs> Only to go back to the campground, drive home late last night, and spend the night by myself at my house. Happy 35th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, we're, we're blessed. God has blessed us. It's a, you know, we met in what was the old church on 8th Street. Penny and I met there when we were 16 and 15 years old. And, uh, yeah, so um, I have aged more than she has, okay? It is her fault. But anyhow, but, you know, we've been together since we were 16 and 15, got married at 20 and 19, and uh, we weren't serving the Lord, and God has been good to us. And, uh, you know, he, he's been through with us with the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs. And, uh, you know, he's just a good God. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. They were fresh cut Amish French fries. I just want you to know, okay? I got you a hat. All right? Hey, Pastor Hart and family, it is so good to have you with us. Thank you for being here. Your, your family has such a rich history in our church, and you, your family is part of the reason why we're even here today. And so we just want to honor you this morning. Thank you for being here. And... Uh, I also, I want to introduce Kathy Norai who's here with us. Stand up and Kathy and give everybody a wave. Those of you remember Kathy. Her and her husband began Destiny, Publishing, Destiny Image Publishing. Her, her sons run that now. And uh, you might remember that Pastor Norai was with us, did some phenomenal teaching. And then the following weekend, he was passed away and went home to be with the Lord. And uh, she's here visiting today. And it's so good to see you. So good to have you here as well. All right. And... Um, I got a bittersweet thing to talk about for just a moment. Bethany and Bryce, we're still working on forgiving you, Bryce, all right? But Bethany and Bryce, uh, it's kind of bittersweet. This will be the last Sunday they are with us for a while. They're moving to, um, where are you moving to? You're moving to Madison or are you moving to Kentucky? Madison, he has an opportunity in Kentucky that he is taking advantage of. And so they will be moving this week. And so we are just... um, you know, why don't you just reach your hand to them. Let's just pray over them. Father, I just thank you for this young couple. I thank you, first of all, for their love for you. I thank you for who they are in you, what you have done in their lives, Father. I thank you for the blessing that they have been to us in the short time that they've been here. And Lord, we send them away with blessing. We say, Lord, bless them. Bless their steps. You have ordained their steps. We ask you, Father, to bless uh, Willa, bless the child that is on the way. Uh, and Father, we just absolutely speak blessing over their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Make sure you get a chance to say hi to them. All right, I will not be long. How would that be? Uh, I have to go back camping, so I might be like three or four hours. 
But I, we've been doing a part of, as you know, there's been a great thing going on in the city where pastors have been coming together, churches have been coming together, and uh, just a number of things. And Sunday night, June 2nd, there is a um, citywide worship service at the Mistler Theater, which is awesome. And then what happened in preparation for that, that we have spent um, about four weeks, we're spending preaching on the same theme, not the same content, not the same context, but the same theme. And it's been joy in the city. And we've done different themes under that. Today's theme was awakening. All right, was awakening. How many of you believe that we all could use an awakening from time? Right? How many know people don't like to really be awakened? How many of you like it when you're in a nice sleep and somebody wakes you up? My, 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 one of the reasons that we have survived 35 years of marriage is because when I get up prior to my wife getting up, I am a ninja in the house. I'm serious. I'm not kidding. I can sneak through the house. I can sneak out of bed. I can sneak, okay? And if she gets up before me, it is Sherman going through Georgia. Slam, bam, crash, bang, smack, boom. <laughs> I'm just, and I kid you not. And we joke about that for 35 years, okay? But nobody likes to be awakened whenever you're in a sound sleep and you're waking. You know what I have found out in my life? Spiritually, we don't like it either. Because what an awakening does is it messes up status quo. And how many know status quo becomes comfortable? Even if it is lifeless. Even if it is something that's not healthy, status quo is something that is not great. Now, let me take you to up. So I prayed and I said, Lord, where would you want me to go this morning to talk about this awakening? And the title this morning is Awakened to Reality. How many have ever lived in a fantasy? I mean, you know, and then you woke up to reality one day. I want to talk to you about awaken to reality. I'm going to take you to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. And so I want to speak to you this morning about this uh, for a, a period of time, about this awakening that Jesus was looking to have happen in the church of Sardis. Notice something. When you read these seven churches of Revelation, you want to notice that what? He writes to the church of the city. He doesn't write to the government of the city. He doesn't write to the White House of Sardis. He doesn't write to City Hall of Sardis. He doesn't write to the city elders or the city leaders or the city government. He writes to the church. How many know this morning that if there's going to be an awakening in the church, in the city, it's going to come through the church? How many, how many of you believe that there was an awakening that happened in Acts chapter 2 that came through the church? Thanks to the Holy Spirit through the church. It doesn't come through. You know, it's amazing to me how the church will get embroiled and caught up in political agendas thinking that that in and of itself is going to create an enlightenment. The fact of the matter is what we need is an awakening of the church. All right. And he writes to it. He says, I know your deeds. I know all these things about you. All right. So I want to talk to you for just a few moments. All right. First of all. 
Why is this awakening needed in Sardis? What's the, what's, what's the cause of it? Well, let me see what he says. He says what? I know your deeds. I know you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. An awakening is needed when our reputation doesn't agree with our reality. Have you ever met somebody who has a reputation and then you got to know them and you found out that their reality doesn't agree with their reputation? For example, I have a reputation of being nice and slender and trim. That was a little too much laughter. Okay, you could have softened it a little bit. You could have just softened it. Peter has a reputation of being tall. <laughs> I have a reputation of being a short-winded pastor, preacher. Much better. That was much better. Listen to me. He says, listen, you have a reputation of being alive, but the reality is you're dead. You have a reputation of having life, but the reality is death. You have a reputation of this vitality, but you're lifeless. You have a reputation of thriving, but you're not thriving. Yeah, I've met people who have a, repu a, a wonderful reputation of being a wonderful, loving husband, when if you talk to the wife, you'd find out that the reality is they might be a tyrant. I've met people who some think are a wonderful dad, and when you get into the reality, they're not. Reputations can be deceiving, can they not? You see, the problem is, reputation is what people know you for. Reality is what Jesus knows you as. You see, I can do a whole lot of things that can build a reputation. I can do a whole lot of things that build a name. But the reality of it is, Jesus knows me for who I am. He knows my inside. He knows my thoughts. He knows my heart. He knows my motivations. He knows everything about me. Have you, has God ever confronted your reputation? Has God ever... Has that, <laughs> I can see this is going to go well this morning. Say, Pastor, leave us alone. We like where we are. You're waking us up, and I don't want to be awakened. A reputation is what people know you for. But reality is what Jesus says you are and what Jesus knows you as, okay? Now, here's what happens. Think about this for just a moment. Whenever you are caught up in your individual life, and we'll get to the city in a moment, but when you are caught up in your life protecting your reputation, can I get a, uh, maybe can I get an honest vulnerable person this morning that might just say that they have at one time or another worked to protect their reputation. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with that. The problem is that when we protect our reputation, we are actually empowering our reality. When I am, listen to me, whenever I, all of a sudden, I can go through all these motions that protect my reputation when the fact is the reality is being protected by a falsehood. All right, think about this for a moment. Okay, let me give you an illustration. All right, if you want to really fire me up, make me go camping. No, all right, if you really want to get me wound up, all right, bring up, here we go. Anybody connected with this city will remember this. Bring up that Billy Graham thing that happened in Altoona 400 bazillion years ago. Like 400 bazillion years ago, Billy Graham was here in the 1950s, had a flop of a revival, even Billy had them. I mean, oh, Jesus even had them. 427 gazillion years ago, Billy Graham had a flop in Altoona, and we have been hounding that thing for the last 50 years. It's become a mantra. Well, Billy Graham, this Billy Graham, let me say this to you, all right? It's over. It ended a long time ago. 
I'm just telling you, okay? He, he took some culpability of it. This is what his book said. The preparations were scanty, and the ministers were at each other's throats. That might have been in 1950, but it is not what's happening in 2019. And I might suggest to you it isn't what's been happening for the last 20 years either in the city. All right, in other words, I am not going to allow what happened 50, 60 years ago to be determining what we are today. All right, the, uh, we don't need to continually repent and forgive because Billy had a flop here, all right? Can I just get an amen this morning that we can finally move forward? I don't want, I, <laughs> let me tell you how I really feel about it. Like, come on. We're more concerned sometimes about this Billy Graham thing than offending Jesus. You see, in this sense, we are, we've been, there's been people hanging on to this reputation. They've been hanging on to this reputation as ministers and churches being divided. And that died years ago. It died years ago. This, 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 the, the reason, I'll, I'll come, listen to me. When I don't, reputation, when I am keep constantly bringing this up and constantly bringing it up, it's causing a reputation that just no longer is reality anymore. All right, and so protecting my reputation will empower the reality, but the other side of that equation is that when I keep bringing up an old reality, it changes a present reputation, which is good. How many know there is a good reputation now? So let us quit talking about an old narrative and an old reality because that is not the reality now. All right, listen to me. Spiritual death is a result of spending more energy protecting image than changing our reality. Do you remember Jesus? Who was the biggest confrontations with? The church, the religious people, the Pharisees. Why? Because how many know they had a reputation and their reputation was at stake? And the, the, okay? and, and, and the biggest enemy to spiritual life is whenever you are more concerned about protecting. Do you know why some people can't respond to an altar call? Pride. Image. Something might be wrong with me. There is something wrong with you. You're a sinner. Jesus died for you. Right? I, I said this morning, how many have a testimony? You know how many hands went up? You know how many hands should have went up? Saying, Pastor, you're really meddling this morning. I know. Do you know listen to me. I'm going to say something to you this morning. We're not going to talk about an awakening of a city. We're going to talk about an awakening of a people. We're going to say, start it here, Lord. Okay? I'm going to say, start it in me, Lord. Start it in us, Lord. That we're not going to talk about them needing an awakening. Come on. How many know we can go through the church motions? How many know we can go through the service motions? We can go. How many know we need an awakening in our heart this morning? We need an awakening in our spirit this morning. How many know some of us need to be shaken out of our apathy and our complacency? Say, yeah, but not today, Lord. It's Memorial Day weekend. Fact is, everyone has a reputation. Everybody in this room has a rep reputation. I got one, you got one. Let me tell you what I heard about yours. Right? Everyone has one. The question is, does your reputation agree with your reality? Oh, pastor, he's so loving. He's so kind. He's so gracious. He's so this. Come on, you're supposed to be an amen to me at this point. But then pastor has to say, but does my reputation agree with my reality? Would my wife say that my reputation 
agrees with the reality? Would my closest friends say the reputation agrees with the reality? Could Peter say that the reputation agrees with the reality? Shh. All right, I've already given you the mic. All right? The question this morning is, do you have a reality that matches up to your reputation? Jesus comes and speaks to the church in Sardis and says, I got a problem with you. Your reputation and your reality are two different things. Your reputation and your reality don't agree with each other. They think you're spiritually alive, and I know you're dead. How I many know we can go through the motions and people think we're spiritually alive, but we're dead? Who we are, what we do, what we're perceived to be. I, I live in a, we live in a day and an age where I can put my best face forward every day on Facebook, right? You're like, like, I can get up in the morning and I can be like a tyrant to those three little grandchildren, and I can be like, rah, rah, rah. And then I put them on Facebook with us all doing something. Come on, can I get an amen this morning? How many, how many don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you might have ever put on Facebook something that was a perception, but maybe not the reality of the moment? I told you not to say amen. Oh, that's okay, George, you're allowed. All right? <laughs> that's something, come on, we build this image, we build this perception, and it's not the reality, because we're living in an age where everything is out there. And I want my reputation to be this. The question is, does your reputation agree with your reality? And now Jesus comes and says, okay, so he's saying you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And I have a prescriptive remedy for you. Aren't you glad that Jesus can come, give you a diagnosis, but he will also give you a prescription on how to heal the diagnosis? Right? And so what does he do? So he starts to take them through this, all right? The first thing is, remedy number one, he says, be watchful, right? He says, wake up, all right? There's nothing like comfort to produce lethargy. I like my couch. Anybody else like their couch? How many of us too much spent on the time spent on the couch only leads to more time on the couch? Because comfort creates comfort, and comfort creates a desire for comfort. And the fact of the matter, in our spiritual life, in our spiritual realm, when the fact of the matter is lethargy and comfort go hand in hand. Comfort and security to produce spiritual blindness, all right? The, that which is dead in this course is sleeping, all right? Think about this. When you're asleep, you're not watching. When you're dead, you're not watching. And Jesus says, wake up, be watching. That which is not watching is at danger from attack and destruction. Sardis was known as a city that was soft. You know, you don't want to be known as soft, right? They were known as soft, lap of luxury. They found gold there, all right? And it was this message to the church in Sardis that Jesus is saying, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You're soft. Think about this. Here's what he said. Wake up, wake up, be watching. Let me tell you what happened to the city of Sardis, all right? It had a lack of discipline and was known to being soft, all right? And it was its doom. The Greek historian Herodotus tells us the story of the fall of Sardis in the days of King Cyrus, all right? He came to the city and he found its position was suitable for defense. There seemed to be no way to scale the steep cliff walls surrounding the city. He offered a rich reward for any soldier who could figure out a way to get up to the city. 
One soldier studied the problem carefully. And as he looked, he saw a soldier who was defending Sardis drop his helmet down the cliff wall. And then he watched as the soldier climbed down a hidden trail to recover his helmet. He marked the location of the trail and led a detachment of troops up at that night. They easily climbed the cliffs, came to the actual city walls, and found them unguarded, right? The soldiers of Sardis were so confident in their natural defenses, they felt no need to keep a diligent watch so the city was easily conquered. Jesus comes to a church in a soft place, in a soft situation, a place that was comfortable in their lethargy, was not diligent in their watch, and he says to the church, he says, what? Wake up and strengthen what remained. You are in a place, your reputation is that you're alive, but you're dead. It is time for you to wake up, be watchful, be diligent. So let, me, let me ask you a question this morning. Are we watchful? Are we diligent? Are we being diligent? Are we being watchful? It's easy to get lulled to sleep, is it not? How many of pastors can get lulled to sleep? How many of pastors can get lulled to sleep and not be in the word like they should and not be praying like they should and not watching what they should be watching? How many know that we can get that way as well? My question this morning, so Jesus said what? Wake up, begin to watch because if you're not watching, there is something that wars against you. There's something that attacks on you and will destroy you. The second, the, 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 he says, because the, the awareness and the acceptance of your reality is the beginning of an awakening. You know why some people end up getting healthy? They go to a doctor, they have blood work, they have all the tests, and all of a sudden their reality says, I gotta change something. My reality says, I've gotta change my diet. My reality says, I've got to start exercising. My reality says, I've gotta wake up and be diligent. I'm understanding something this morning, that there are times in our life where the, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, says it's time to wake up, and it's time for you to change some things, and it's time for you to get out of that slumber. And I'm going to say something to you this morning. Some of you aren't going to like this, but I'm saying to you this morning, by the Spirit of the living God, there are some of us in this house that we need to wake up out of our slumber. I'm being kind, but I'm telling you that God told me this morning in this message that I'm to be very direct and very bold and say, wake up. Wake up. We have been lulled to sleep. We are not cessationists by theology, but we are by practice. We don't expect God to move anymore. We don't have energy when we come into the house of God. We don't have passion. We get lulled to sleep. We're stuck to the clock now. I don't give a rip if a service takes four hours and people get saved and they get healed. I don't care. I, I just, I, I'm going to lose my mind this morning. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to lose my mind for just a moment. Listen to me. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to do things just to prolong services. But my gosh, folks, when are we going to expect our God to encounter us on a basis, a weekly basis? Has the God of encounters stopped because it's 2019 and we got lights and we got screens and we got fancy stuff and we got fancy this? Come on. Nothing of it replaces who he is. None of it. The, the pastor, the worship team, nobody can do what only the Holy Spirit can do in your heart as you respond to him. Nobody. We've got to wake up. We've got to be diligent. We have to be. Okay, I'll be nice now. Remedy number two. Strengthen what remains. Do you understand the hope that's in this scripture? Yes. <laughs> Do you understand the hope that is in this scripture? Strengthen that which remains. 
the fact of the matter is, as long as something remains, the promise of life remains. If there was nothing that remained, there's no hope. Think about this. The great news is something remained. All was not lost. All was not finished. It's not a done deal. It's not over. There's seed. There's breath. There's hope. There's still something from which God can work. In all the Old Testament history, God always had a remnant to work through. And if he had a remnant to work through, how many know he could bring his purposes about? As long as there was a remnant, there was a seed, there was something. Abraham was a remnant from which God would build a nation. Noah and his family were a remnant in which God would save the world. The people in Babylon were a remnant to rebuild a city and rebuild Jerusalem. The New Testament shows us a people from God who were used as a remnant. As long as there's seed that remains, how many know that God can still produce fruit? Much of what happens in the church world today. Let me talk about our city for a moment. Much of what happens in the church world today is because of seeds that have been planted in the past. It's amazing how we always think everything we do is new. I mean, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Right? You see, I praise God for what is happening in our city because there is a good thing happening in the church world in our city. There's wonderful things happening. But I would suggest that what is happening is not something new, but rather the manifestation of both seeds of the past and seeds of the present that will produce present fruit that will have future seeds for an another generation to work with. May what we plant today leave remains for the next generation to work with. I can take you back in the history of this church I can take you back to 1908 when it was 8th Street Union. Well, I wasn't there. <laughs> 8th Street Union Sunday School, 1908. I can take you to 1938 when Russell Williams came down from the Buckhorn Bible Church. And he came down here and he was, he was coming for night services. And all of a sudden they decided, I got the minutes, I've seen the minutes, where they decided one time in a meeting to try Sunday morning services as an experiment to see if it would work. Well, it's 2019, it's still working, praise the Lord. Why, because somebody seeds in 1938. In the 1950s, you guys know the history, you guys know the history. They built a sanctuary across the creek, got rid of the little white church. Then in 68, they built the other church. On and on we could go, what are these? They're not talking about building projects. We're talking about what a people have been able to do, God has done through a people from generation to generation because there's always something that remains that another generation can build upon. But as long as something remains, God has something to work with. And here's the good news about your life. Here's what's good. You might not be where you are, need to be. You might not be where you want to be. But if there's something remaining, how many know God can work with that? I love the hope that comes with this scripture. Remedy number two was what? Strengthen what remains. There's a seed in some of us this morning that just needs some water. There's a seed in some of us this morning that you haven't watered in a while, but God says if you'll start attending the seed that still remains within you, you watch what happens. It's gonna blow your mind. Number three, he says what? Remember the word. When all else fails, how many knows a good place to go? Back to the Word of God. Remember the Word, he says. What Word? The Word 
that you received and you heard. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you remember the message you heard? Was it the message of a church? Was it the message of a denomination? Was it the message of a pastor? It might have came through a pastor. Was it the message of a TV personality? What was the message you heard? What was the word that you heard? Wasn't it the word of Jesus Christ? Wasn't it the word of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ? I haven't met a church yet that's changed a person. I've seen Jesus change a lot of people. I've seen Jesus change a lot of people. Oh, yes, we understand churches are vessels through whom he works. I understand all that. But the change agent is Jesus. The message is Jesus. I told you a couple weeks ago, if preaching doesn't include Jesus, it's not preaching. Preaching is a proclamation of Jesus Christ. I can give you a good talk, and I can give you a good lecture, but preaching is about Jesus Christ. It just is. The greatest awakening a person, a church, a city or region will ever have is one that comes as a result of the Word of God. Because it's the words of Jesus that always bring light and life. Light and life comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Comes through the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It doesn't, listen to me, there's a lot of components that can go with it. But the bottom line is, that which brings an awakening is Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus. Paul said to the Thessalonians, remember what he said? For this reason, we thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. Listen to me this morning. What's the word you remember? What's the message you remember? When you're in a, when you're in a listen to me. How many have ever been downcast? How many have ever been discouraged? How many have ever gotten the word in those times and found yourself encouraged? How many have ever gotten the word and all of a sudden, no longer am I downcast? No, no, no. Now I just got into the word of God and I got in touch with Jesus and all of a sudden now what? My soul, my soul must sing. My soul, my soul must sing. I don't have any choice but to sing. Some of us could use that this morning. It'll make even some of you smile. Remember here, number four, keep the word. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I mean, I got to keep it too? It means to attach. It means to fix. It means to fasten, to guard, to carefully take care of, to observe. It's one thing to hear the message. But you know how many people hear it and never guard it? Hear it and never observe it? Hear it and never do anything with it? Jesus is saying, listen, you are spiritually dead. You are not alive. You've got a reputation. You have faked it. And you can only fake it so long. How many know you cannot fake it till you make it? As much as we might like to think so. And now I'm going to give you a prescriptive remedy. And this is the remedy. Wake up. Strengthen that seed that remains. Remember the message that was preached to you. And then you begin to keep that word. All right? Attach it. Observe it. Because here's what will happen. When you guard the word in your heart, 
over your reputation. We need to guard the word in our heart over our reputation. I don't care what people think of you because when you guard the word, guarding the word will guard your reputation. Come on. I could care less what some people think of me. I care more about what the word of God says than what some people think of me. I have, I'm sure you have all met people who have not applied biblical principles because of being afraid of what someone might think of them. Remedy five, repent of your reality. That's what he says. So remember what you've received and what you heard and keep it. And oh, by the way, repent. Hmm. Now, how many know repentance is not, I'm so sorry? Although it might come that way. How many know repentance is simply changing direction, changing mindset, right? Think about this for just a moment this morning. This word repent. Repentance is acting upon a revealed reality. You go to the doctor. He tells you your triglycerides are out of whack. <laughs> your cholesterol's out of whack. Your sugar's out of whack. The blood test is a reality. How many know you can look incredibly healthy you can have a six-pack. <laughs> you can have muscles. You can look lean. And how many know everything can still be out of whack in your blood? Which then is going to dictate, this is what you look like, but this is your reality. And what are you going to do about your reality? Are you going to repent and change based upon the reality that has been revealed? Saul, the apostle Paul, Saul, on the road to Damascus, killing the church, zealous for God. He was doing it because he thought he was serving God. All of a sudden, Jesus confronts him. Jesus brings a revelation of his reality. And how many know he had to repent of what he thought was his reality? Listen to me this morning. I'm going to tell you something. Right now, the Holy Spirit is, is messing with some of our reality. He's messing with some of our reality. We got the game face on Sunday. We got the reputation on Sunday. But some of us this morning know inside we're dying a slow death. Some of us know this morning we're dying a slow death. And what I put on on Sunday is not what I put on Monday through Saturday. Oh, boy. I wasn't planning on saying that. I mean, the, the notes are much happier than this. Wake up! He did. <laughs> Wake up. Listen to me. Wake up! Your history in the church has put you to sleep. Man, I didn't plan on, plan on saying that either. You were born into this church and it has put you to sleep. Not the church. Certainly not the pastor. But you have allowed what you consider a spiritual pedigree to become the thing in which you have built your life. And Jesus says you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wow. That was not on there. Repenting of a revealed reality 
will produce a new reality that will produce a new reputation. All they knew was the man who formerly persecuted them was now serving God. Remember Paul? Saul had a reputation as murdering the church, persecuting the church. He had a moment of revelation and a moment of reality on the road to Damascus. That reality of his situation caused a spiritual awakening in him by which he repented. And when he repented, how many know he now had a change of reputation? He was now a different man because he acted upon the reality that was revealed to him. An awakening is the result of the Word of God that confronts a present reality, causing repentance that produces a desired future. How many of you believe this morning God has a desired future for you? Good, I got a couple here and a couple. How many of you God has a desired future for your life? How does He bring me to a desired future? I gotta, I gotta come along and cooperate, don't I? And can I just say to you this morning, don't limit his desired future for you as just getting to heaven. How many know heaven is guaranteed to those who believe? I'm talking about the future between now and then. Hmm? That God, and what happens is when God comes to me and all of a sudden he begins to confront the realities in my life and he begins to bring a revelation of the realities of my life. And now I see those realities for what they are. They're going to bring me into confrontation with some of my reputation. Don't like that so much. If people only knew the rest of the story. How many of you have a rest of the story that maybe some don't know about? It brings me to a place of being confronted. What am I going to do with this? Joy in the city, if we go back to the theme of the series, joy in the city is a result of awakened individuals. But joy in the city is a result of awakened individuals who are a part of, who are part of an awakened church through whom the light of Christ shines. How many would say this morning, Father, bring an awakening to our city, but do it through awakening me. Awaken me. I'm not going to stand around talking about those who need awakened. Awaken me. Awaken this heart. And awaken this church. I would say to you this morning that as a church, we got a pretty good reputation in the city for doing some things. We've done a few things that God has blessed us with being a part of. And that's not prideful. And it's certainly not meant to be arrogant. It's just a fact of the matter. And yet at the same time, there's still parts of us that need awakened. That need awakened. Can we humbly say, awaken us this morning. Awaken us, God. Awaken us. We want to be part of the awakening but the way to be a part of the awakening is to allow you to awaken us. So, Father, this morning we take a few moments. 
It's not meant to be a, this is not a harsh message. It's not a hard message. This is a message that says, it's a message of hope. That you care enough. You see that what remains in all of us. And you would bring a word and say, but I got more. I got more. I got more for you as an individual. I got more for you as a church. I got more for a city. I want to do an awakening. So, Father, as we would just take a few contemplative moments, we would say to you this morning, Holy Spirit, search our hearts, search my life. Shine your light on those areas in my heart that need to be awakened by you. Let us ask the question, does my reputation match my reality? Does my reputation agree with the reality? And if it doesn't, then challenge my reality and cause us to repent of it. One thing about waking up in the morning is it brings you to the newness of another day. And Father, I pray this morning that you would awaken us to a new day. Awaken us this morning to a new day. In Jesus' name. Come on, stand with me for a minute this morning. Stand with me. Let's just... It's interesting that I don't, I won't get into the rest of the scripture today. He said, if you don't wake up, I'm going to come like a thief. A thief comes when you're not watching. How many know, we know what the Bible says, the thief came to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. You come to my house and I'm watching, you ain't killing anybody. And you ain't stealing. And you certainly ain't destroying. If you're going to do it, it's because I'm sleeping or I'm not there. But isn't it interesting? He says, you won't even know what time I will come to you. Interesting. How many know Jesus isn't a thief? It's not saying Jesus is coming as a thief. Come on. He's coming like a thief. What's he saying? You're going to miss my coming because it's going to appear as a thief because you're not watching. You're not being diligent. You see, I would suggest he's not coming as a thief, but I would suggest he's coming to bless. How many of you think we can ever miss the blessings of God because we're not diligent? We're not watching. Look at, the, look at this closing of this. He said, listen, and yet those who have not sold their clothes, they'll walk with me in white for they are worthy. They are, the one who's victorious will like them be dressed in white. I'll never blot their name out of the book of life. My name is written in a book, man, that Jesus said, I'll never write it out of there. Hmm. And I'll acknowledge your name before my Father and the angels. Father, wake us up. We want to be a part of your awakening. 
but let us be humble enough this morning to say, do it through me. Do it in me so you can do it through me. Do it in me so you can do it through me. If you, if you will allow the Word of God to awaken your heart and confront your present reality. Let me say something to you. For some of us this morning, the reality is you're an addict. The reality is you're addicted to this, you're addicted to that. You're addicted to drugs or alcohol or porn or you're addicted to this. That's your reality. The reality is some of you have been living out of a wound for how long? The reality is you've been living out of the wound of rejection for how long? The reality is you've been holding the fence for how long? God is confronting the realities of our life this morning. That you appear to have life, but you've been holding grudge and bitterness and anger. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to deal with that reality right now. The Holy Spirit is confronting this morning saying the reality has been you have lost your zeal. You have lost your passion. The reality is you have fallen asleep. The reality is reality is you have fallen into lethargy. The reality is you have fallen into apathy. That is the reality this morning. But God says, but there's a seed that remains. There is a seed that remains. There is a seed that remains. And if you allow him to deal with the present reality and you will repent of the present reality, there's a desired future that he wants and you want. Oh, God help us. God help us this morning. God help us when we're more concerned about the time and the clock than we are encountering God of heaven. God help us. God, shake us from our lethargy. Shake us from our apathy. Let us come into this house expecting miracles. Let us come out of this house expecting salvation. Let us come into this house expecting the God of heaven to touch the men of the earth. Oh, God, wake us and shake us. this again. Father, bring an awakening in me so you can bring an awakening through me. In Jesus' name, amen.